This is the Mormon Expression Podcast. Find us on the web at mormonexpression.com. Welcome back to another episode of Morning Expression. Tonight we have kind of an old friend of mine. We've had time to uh, uh, talk on occasion. Uh, Jeff Ricks is the visionary and founder behind the uh, Post-Mormon website and uh, the Post-Mormon movement that puts billboards up and has group meetings all across the country. Um, He started by founding a small group in Logan several years ago, and it's grown into one of the most influential websites um, on post-Mormon and one of the big meeting grounds um, for people all across the country on the web. Jeff, welcome to Mormon Expression. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, We're also joined by uh, several members of our regular panel. First of all, we have George. Good evening, everybody. And Niall. Uh, Buenos dias. And Tom. Hey, what's up, guys? So, Jeff, why don't we uh, start out kind of I guess where all things start, how in the world did you become a post-Mormon in the first place? I had an electronics business that myself and another person founded in Idaho Falls. While I was getting that off the ground, I've paid a full tithing all my life, but while I was getting that off the ground, I paid a little extra tithing because I I wanted to make sure I got the promised blessings that I was, that I understood I was... uh, I don't know if entitled to is the word, but that I should should expect, uh, um, and that being you know financial blessings if you pay your tithing. I was taught that all my life. Well, the business um, we had done everything right, and we got we. Uh, make a long story short, it was a, a, a an electronics business where I had patented a device that that records uh, uh, coins as they go through. Vending machines. It was a real inexpensive way of doing this. So it was. I originally designed it for uh, these plastic three-headed gumball machines that you see around here and there. Uh, and I, uh, I licensed that to several manufacturers, including Speed Queen. They were using it in some of their commercial laundry machines. Uh, but we also decided to uh, manufacture the device, and that was the venture that we that took some doing to get up and going. And he had raised like $50,000 in, in investment capital, and uh, everything was looking good. We, we had formed a, a partnership with a company in Salt Lake that made vending machines, and um, they were going to be the company that, you know, some a viable company, a profit-making company. And But as things, I think after our second month, or during our second month into that venture with them, and we had started shipping product to them, they suddenly went out of business. And uh, it just pulled the rug out from under us, and it left me wondering what happened. We had done everything right. We were we had our act together in this venture, and completely out of the blue, totally broadsided me. I this happened, and it took us under. So it, it caused me to question the tithing promise. What's this tithing thing about? Uh, actually, I remember thinking specifically. This tithing promise is bogus. I wonder what else about the church is bogus. <laughs> and that's what got me starting to step back and be a little bit more objective about what I was taught because apparently I needed to be responsible and, and I needed to look into things. And I, I, I couldn't rely on what other people 
people have told me more. And so that started the investigating and, and from a more objective perspective because I didn't want something like this to happen to me again. So that's, that's the shortest way I can explain how I became a former Mormon. Oh, and I, I guess that started a two-year research, personal research, where I had, I had committed to only use uh, books, information that I could get from Desert Book, because I, I really wanted badly for the church to be true to me. I, want, I wanted the end of my research to show me that, yes, the church is still true. Well, quite the opposite happened, and I, I, I reached a point where I, in 1993, I just could not continue going um, could not in good conscience continue going, and that's why I left. When did the idea, or what was the genesis of post-Mormon? When did you start um, getting groups together? I, um, from the time I left in 1993 until 2001, I had never met another former Mormon, and I knew there must be some other people that had left the church voluntarily like I did, but I did know how to meet them. You just can't walk up to somebody and say, hey, you know, what ward are you no longer in? <laughs> uh, or something like that. You just don't ask, the, you know, ask that question to somebody. And in, in Logan, in Cass Valley, where I lived, I'm surrounded by Mormons. And I basically, I just had to keep it to myself. But in, um, in 2001, uh, I was at work and uh, it was kind of a slow day and I decided to get on the internet and type in ex-Mormon. And I found a, a discussion group, uh, as a Yahoo discussion group. It wasn't uh, exmormon.org, which existed then, and I didn't, I hadn't discovered them. But this Yahoo discussion group, I signed up for and, and got involved and with, and and uh, just started following the conversations. Uh, you know, just just watching what people talked about for a couple of weeks, and then one of them said that uh, they were going to have a party in Salt Lake at their home. Uh, and this was, again, in 2001, uh, and it was during the Winter Olympics, 2001 Winter Olympics. And uh, a lot of these uh, friends of this group, this discussion group, were going to be in Salt Lake for the Olympics. And so this woman decided to have this party. So I decided to go to the party. And um, I just had a wonderful time. The house was full of people, and we just talked, talked, talked all night. Uh, it was just like, it was like... <laughs> to me, it felt like uh, it, it, the movie Man's Search for Happiness, where a guy steps in, out into, into the spirit world after he dies, and he sees all these friends of his and family that he once knew. That's what it felt like to me. It felt like going home. And, and I, uh, at the end of that evening, I, I got out in my car to head back to Logan, put my key in the, in the ignition, was about to turn it, and I just started sobbing. I was just so happy to finally meet some other people who, who understood why I left the church, and and uh, we had so much in common. Uh, I was just, it was just a wonderful experience for me. I needed so badly, and I had started uh, learning a little bit about web design at the time, just because I. I was interested in it. Uh, I, I'm an engineer. I'm a product designer where I work. And, you know, the Internet is just another kind of a creative playground for somebody like me. So I'd, I'd started to learn a little bit about web page design, and I got this idea that um, actually I, I had met through this group, I had met uh, uh, um, some people that had 
started a, a support group for former Mormons in Ogden. That's how it started. And they asked me if I could put together a website for their group where they could post information and let other people in their group know what was going on and when they were going to meet and so on. And that's what got me thinking about, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'll be happy to do that, but I'm going to set this up so it encourages groups to form in other areas. And that's the genesis for Post-Mormon. Back then it was called Post-Mormon Support Groups, and the web address was postmormon.com. Um, and I started a group in Cache Valley, so it was the Ogden group and our Cache Valley group were the first two groups under this Post-Mormon Support Groups name. And then we got a, one started in in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, uh, one in Washington, Portland, and then it grew out from there slowly. And then in 2004, I had learned enough about web design between 2001 and 2004, this time with the intent of of uh, taking this post-Mormon thing, which was basically just a, a set of static pages uh, uh, that I would update from time to time, and I learned about dynamic pages and discussion forums and allowing people to post comments and so on. So I, over this uh, few, uh, what, three-year period, uh, I formulated this idea for Postmormon, which eventually became postmormon.org, where people could discuss online, uh, post comments online. Uh, I could assign... Um, I could assign certain parts of the website to s various people to take care of through... Uh, through the software that I'd learned about, and and also in my history, my dad used to run a sign business when I was growing up. I him for a good part of during my teenage years, and I learned the sign business myself. And I took over his sign business after I got back from my mission, and he went into the art business, painting paintings, uh, became quite a successful artist. Um, and I ran his sign business, uh, so I'd have an income to get married on, and so on. So. When I conceived this, um, excuse me, post-Mormon website idea, I thought, okay, billboards would be a perfect thing to bring people to this website so they know about it. And that basically was the idea for post-Mormon. And then in 2005, we kicked it off. Um, I pulled together a, a board of trustees. We incorporated uh, in 2000. As in 2005, in 2006, we finally got our 501c tax exempt, 501c3 tax exempt status, which then allowed us to start receiving funds. And it was in 2007, after we received a single donation of $1,000 from a very generous donor, donor in Southern Utah, and that allowed us to get our first billboard up, which was in Logan, Utah. Interesting, uh, for two years, I worked with Reagan Advertising, uh, the biggest sign billboard company here in Utah, and try to try to get them to allow me to put up a, a billboard that had our web addresses is all, just postmormon.org. And they were really nervous about it and wouldn't do it. Um, I finally, uh, after getting a runaround, um, working through a, a woman at the sign company uh, through telephone calls, I told her, look, if... Uh, well, she, she, she got back with me and says, Dewey, the president, doesn't want to put up your billboard. Uh, and uh, I said, you know what? Uh, I'm determined to make this happen. So if, you, uh, if, you, if you're not going to do it, I'm gonna, uh, I have some other avenues I can look into. And by that time, I had contacted the Utah ACLU because I had been put off so much by the sign company. <laughs> 
and uh, I was uh, I got an email back from a an attorney who was a, a volunteer for the Utah ACLU, and I could tell that she was probably snickering a little bit as she was uh, responding to me because I had laid out what had happened with me dealing with the sign company, and she said, uh, "Here's the deal." They have to treat you like any other customer, and if what you want to put on their billboards is not offensive, cannot be construed to be offensive, and there's no way postmormon.org can be construed to be offensive, uh, then they have to put up your billboard. And, uh, and she says, oh, you may have allowance for grounds for a lawsuit, possibly a religious discrimination lawsuit. But she says, my recommendation is that they still tell you no, go to Gephardt, and, and he would love to do a story on this. And... The sign company doesn't want that kind of uh, bad advertising. Um, that's when I told the lady, uh, I have other avenues that I've looked into. And she said, you mean a lawsuit? And I said, yeah, that's one thing that's uh, a <laughs> possibility. And so she said, well, let me talk to Dewey again, and I'll get back with you. Well, that afternoon, Dewey calls me and says, uh, I'd like to meet with you, uh, myself and our marketing manager. Uh, can you meet with me tomorrow? So I went down there, met with him, and he reluctantly agreed to put up our first billboard. And then that was a year later when we finally raised the money to do the first billboard. And the sign company was still so nervous about that first billboard. Again, all it said was postmormon.org. That uh, these are paper, the size that we had purchased, what, that we were looking to purchase are p paper billboards that are uh, 20 by 10 feet or something like that. And they require you to purchase two sets of uh, printed paper in case once the billboard goes up and, you know, there's really bad weather, it starts to peel, they can put up the second set and, and you don't lose any advertising time. But for me, they required me to, to purchase, uh, I mean, our organization purchased three sets because they were concerned that the billboards were going to be vandalized. <laughs> we've never had a billboard vandalized and we've been doing this since 2007. In fact, we have our we have a billboard up in Twin Falls now. That's our, our latest one. Um, I'll be doing an interview with the um, newspaper reporter on Tuesday, Twin Falls newspaper reporter. He contacted me over the weekend, wants to do a story. So that's sort of a long story <laughs> of how Post Mormon got started and why. Now, for those who haven't seen the uh, billboards, they're just – they're they're um, they have smiling people on them, and they say postmormon.org. And that's about yes, it. Uh, we graduated. We, we we went a step further. Once the sign companies were comfortable with that, that nobody was going to vandalize our signs and that they weren't going to lose their Mormon customers uh, if you know if they supported us and allowed us to to advertise, then we decided to take a little a step further. And in addition to postmormon.org, we have this very controversial statement that says you are not alone. <laughs> And then some, some, a group of people that are smiling. And that statement, you are not alone, has become our slogan. We have had so many people contact us and say, ah, it makes me choke up to, to think about it because I know how alone I felt. But they say, I'm so glad to find you. I finally know I'm not alone. And uh, so that's our slogan. That's our, that's our thing now. And, and, uh, and I, I don't think we'll ever change that slogan. I believe you have pictures of uh, all the uh, the billboards on your website, and we'll post links over to to those so people can take a look if they'd like. Um, so, what sort of I, I I know that you've been interviewed by lots of newspapers. What sort of controversy have the billboards um, enraged through the Mormon corridor? 
Well, probably the, um, the there, there's two of our billboards that are probably the uh, that come to mind as the most controversial, the ones that stirred up the most dust, I guess you'd say. Uh, one was in Idaho Falls. Uh, the Idaho Falls billboard was our, I believe it was our second billboard that we got up. It turns out that the, the billboard, uh, unbeknownst to the sign company that put it up, uh, the billboard, the structure, the billboard structure uh, was owned, well, I mean, the land that the structure was on was owned by a very active Mormon guy. <laughs> And it turns out that I was friends with this Mormon guy back in back when I lived in Idaho Falls, or actually friends with his brother who now lived in Texas. So it's kind of interesting. Well, he insisted that the billboard come down because he didn't want a an anti-Mormon billboard uh, on his on his property. So the sign company uh, took it down, and uh, it was up for I think two weeks, and then the sign company took it down, and then they gave us a free billboard in Pocatello for 30 days. I think it was. So we got six weeks of advertising while paying for just uh, four weeks. And the, the local newspaper, Idaho Falls newspaper, did a, a front page article of our billboard going up. Uh, front page, main main article on the front page. So we got a lot of attention from that. And then they did another front page article when the billboard came down. <laughs> so we got a lot of advertising out of that. The, the company, I mean, the community was, was pretty, there was a lot of feedback. I, I don't ever get this feedback. I mean, once in a while I get a, an email from an irate Mormon, but very rarely, maybe four or five times a year. Uh, and then the other one was in Gilbert, Arizona. We, um, we were, it was just uh, dumb luck that the sign company down there had a location that opened up about the, sign, about the time that I contacted them. And it just so happened to be right in the middle of four wards down in, in Gilbert, Arizona. <laughs> so that got a lot of attention. We got, I think, three, uh, two newspaper articles out of that, three TV news articles out of that. Uh, and um, in fact, when the first newspaper article came out, uh, a local uh, Mormon down there who uh, is some sort of a representative for that area I don't know what his title was, but but he was sort of the official spoke of the church for that area. He was quoted in a newspaper article as saying that you know we, it's unfortunate that people leave the church. I mean, it's kind of a derogatory statement. But um, uh, I think it was a TV article, a TV news story that uh, quoted this guy. Anyway, he in in one of the other subsequent. Um, uh, uh, stories that was done either in the newspaper or on TV, uh, he kind of in a roundabout way apologized and, and said that he thinks it's a good thing that what, what we're doing and and that local Mormons shouldn't feel threatened by it. Uh, so <laughs> it's kind of nice to have his sort of uh, um, I guess forced support or, or <laughs> have him rethink what we're about and and come back and and. Uh, and make some positive statements about what we were doing. It's the only time that's ever happened. Now, wasn't your uh, billboard up at about the same time the Lyndon Lamborn controversy was going on down there? Yes, it was. Yes, in fact, Lyndon uh, was in was quoted in uh, one of the articles, TV news stories that was done on our group. So it combined it both both issues into one uh, story. Really good story. I think that's the one where the uh, the LDS guy uh, you know had some positive things to say about us. What this is Nile? Um, what was the substance of the controversy? Because nothing on the billboards billboard seems 
particularly inflammatory, other than acknowledging that sometimes people leave the church. So, like, what did the email say? What did the article say? I, I'm not really grasping what they're really going to grab hold of. Okay. The, the, um, I also want to mention again that I don't get much feedback. People don't email me and complain, but these newspaper articles, uh, most newspapers now have a, a website and they allow people to post comments uh, on their website. So uh, it's it's the comments that follow these articles about us that where we, we where the, you see the controversy. And uh, there's people saying all kinds of things like, uh, oh, I mentioned in, in the newspaper article, the first newspaper article in Gilbert, I mentioned why I left the church. It had to do with the tithing issue. And so the way it was got twisted in some of these comments was, well, he left the church because he couldn't pay his tithing or something like that. And, um, you know, I, I, I've learned to expect those kind of comments. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's where we see the controversy. Um, but still, it's even pointed out in the articles that really there's nothing controversial about, about the billboard. It's just, I think, LDS people, Tom, maybe you can respond to this, but LDS people tend to feel threatened uh, when there's anything that um, is Mormonism but isn't supported by the church, I guess is the best way to say it. There just seems to be the knee-jerk reaction uh, in that direction. So I'll, I'll be quiet now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just had a question, Jeff. This is Tom, by the way. I, um, have you been contacted by uh, general authority of sorts or maybe even the church uh, lawyers to, uh, I don't know, kind of threaten or kind of uh, tell you to knock off with the publicity? No, I don't know that they have any grounds for that. Uh, I don't know that they can, so I don't know. I, I'm, I think that's probably why they haven't contacted us. Um, in I think virtually every article that's been published about us, uh, there's a statement like the church was contacted, but they had no comment. Uh, and that's that's pretty much been the uh, church's response from day one is no comment, no comment. I have a feeling, that this is George, I have a feeling hard for a lot of members and the church in general to really have a response to this because how, why would anybody feel like they're alone? You know, it's, it's, it just seems like it's almost oxymoronic to, to feel like a billboard of this would be needed. And so, you know what I mean? It, it's just like, yes. you know, who that's would ever very good point. Yeah, that's a very good point. It, it kind of is, is an indirect way of, of uh, challenging the Mormon mindset, we don't we don't want to challenge Mormons. We don't want to drag people out of the ch church. We are just there for people who have who have already left or are considering leaving. Uh, but it, so it's unfortunate that the fact that we exist and the fact that there is a, a enough of a need for us that we have over what four thousand registered members on our website and we're able to fund these billboards. The fact that that exist uh, causes, I think, LDS people to, uh, it makes them uncomfortable because they had no idea that that many people are leaving the church. Then do you ever get uh, almost the opposite where people will say, well, yeah, I guess they do need support because look at if they had stayed, they would have been happy, but now they're gone. They need some type of a, a support group to try and help them through this miserable time in their lives. Uh, 
Yeah, I get hints of that from time to time. Um, uh, one example that comes to mind is we have our local group here that, that meets uh, every every Sunday. We just go to a restaurant and eat and talk. In fact, this evening we had four new people show up. Uh, but I came early once while they were getting the, ready, the room ready for us uh, and uh, stood out in front and, and, and waited. And there was a guy uh, sitting at the bar, <laughs> and, and he was obviously LDS, uh, inactive LDS apparently, and he was complaining about our group, saying, why does anybody need a support group when they leave the church? I think it's ridiculous. They just go back there and they bitch about uh, the church. Well, that's not true. Uh, so, you know, it kind of gave me a little bit of insight into what some people are thinking about us when they when they don't know that we're there listening. Um, so, yeah, that, that comes up from time to time. Well, why do you need a support group? And I guess my answer to them is, well, uh, why do Mormons need a support group? Why do Mormons need church? Why do they get together uh, with each other? It's, it's because people need like-minded people. Uh, they need to hook up. Here, here's a question for you, Jeff. Um, you've obviously seen a lot of uh, ex-Mormons come in and probably leave your your little uh, social gathering thing that you have online. What do uh, you personally see as some of the major factors of why people leave? Do you see it as most of the people that leave are just offended? Do you see it that they just want to sin, so that's part of their deal? Do you, or do you see it as a historical issues or... What are some of the major components? The first two things, first two things you mentioned, are two of the primary reasons that we are accused of leaving the church. And I would say, based on what I've seen since I started this thing, people I've met, I would say, uh, I've never met a Mormon, a former Mormon, who left for because he was offended or because he wanted to sin. I've never met a Mormon for that reason, but I have to assume there are some. My guess is 98% leave because they have some problem with the, with the doctrine. Basically, it boils down to they feel like the church has been dishonest with the information that, that they have received from the church. They feel like the church has been misleading and dishonest, and uh, they feel betrayed. I felt betrayed. So that's really the reason why people leave. I think most people who leave would rather stay because leaving is hard. It's tough on families. Uh, I sat next to a gentleman tonight at our meeting who uh, he, he comes from time to time, and um, his wife is very active, and uh, his family is very active. He's the only one that's left um, other than he told me that his son is having difficulty with uh, some things he's learned about the church, not because his father has told him, because uh, his, his mother won't let his father talk to the, the, the children. Anyway, it's really tough for this guy. It's really tough for him. Uh, but he had to leave. He just could not, in good conscience, stay. Um, I'm getting a little bit sidetracked, but uh, I, I forget, uh, George, what your question was exactly. But um, uh People leave, I've found, for good reasons. They just they they they're trying to be honest with themselves is what it boils down to. And it's tough sometimes to be honest with yourself. I think in in a lot of the work that we've seen published, a lot of a lot of people are leaving 
because of doctrinal reasons, but then there's a, there's a fairly high percentage that they just kind of walk away and they don't want to keep it up. I think of those people who just walk away, we don't generally see them coming in any type of an online community needing assistance. I think it's that group of folks who leave um, and have felt betrayed in some way usually because of, of doctrine or policy or something like that, that we end up seeing on these kind of support groups because they're the ones I think are having the hardest time. That's my personal assumption. Do you have anything in your experience or the kind of people you're seeing on there that, that would support that assumption that we just don't get the people who want to walk away and they just want to do it because of sinning or because they offended um, in some way? George, I think you're exactly right. Um, I, I got to revise my 98% statement, but 98% of the people that come to post Mormon and kind of make it their home, they left for doctrinal reasons. I don't get to see the people who just walk away because you're right; they have no need for support group. Uh, for whatever reason in their life, they are comfortable with just walking away and and um, doing whatever they decide to do with their life. But the people who have the need for the support group are, in most cases the people who were the best Mormons when they were LDS and, and, and really, really uh, tried to, um, you know, live Mormon, uh, the Mormon, what's expected of you as a Mormon. So, yes, I think you're, I think you're right there, George. We also need to acknowledge there's two groups out there. If you, I mean, if you log on to a website like Post-Mormon, you'll see the regulars who are logged in and posting there all the time. There's also this huge number out there who are not logged in and just reading the board. So there's a, probably a larger cloud of people who never participate for one reason or the other, but are still absorbing it and participating in the community, if only in a shadow role. You know, and that brings up another thing. I mentioned that we had four new people show up at our local group here. Uh, one gal, I asked her uh, how, I'd like to find out how people find out about our local group. Um, two of the new people uh, found out about us through a little ad we run in the paper every week. It's a free ad. This gal that I asked, she had she did a a, a search and found us. The fourth person, uh, she was brought with a, a a friend who was one of our regulars. Um, I said, "Have you registered on the website?" She says, "No, I haven't registered, but I've been reading uh, a lot ever since I've ever since I found your website." And I said, "When did you find us?" And I was thinking a few days ago. And she says, "In July," and <laughs> she's been reading and reading ever since then. And uh, uh, so she's one of those people who uh, just enjoy the website kind of from afar, quietly, haven't felt the need to register. And I think we do have, I think the majority of people that follow the site are in that, in that state, but we don't know who they are other than we we're able to see who's viewing the site but isn't logged in. Um, and we were able to see how many are viewing the site but not logged in, put it that way. And then we can see the the, uh, the names of, the, uh, of people who were logged in. You know the names that they've chosen, the anonymous names. Hey Jeff, this this is Tom again. Uh, do you would you consider yourself an anti-Mormon? No, not at all. Um, most of my family are Mormons, uh, and I respect their choice to stay Mormons. Uh, when I first when I first became I'll say disillusioned with the church and, and, and late left, I felt a need to uh, 
you know, get my family out before it was too late for them sort of a thing. And I, I wrote them some letters and stirred things up. But I, I've since learned that, uh, you know what, it works for them. And, and I'm, I'm happy that it works for them. And I have money to get them out of the church. And, and that's the case. That's the tone. That's the culture we've tried to set up post-Mormon is when people, if the church is working for people, uh, you know, good for them. We'll support them. We, we, uh, uh, we applaud that. The church did me a lot of good growing up. I had a really great childhood. Um, but, but I reached the point where I had to leave. What about those people that are on that participate on your website on a fairly regular basis, who I think most people and maybe even yourself would consider very antagonistic towards the church itself, and even some of its uh, faithful believers. Um, so maybe in a in a weird way, your website kind of promotes uh, a kind of form of anti-Mormonism. What do you, what's your response to that? Yeah. Well, I. Uh, I understand the question and the issue, and I'll get back to that, but I first want to say that as an organization, our official policy and statement uh, is we are, our mission, our official mission is we're there for people who have left or are considering leaving, and we're not trying to drag people out of the church. Now, to your question, we, um, we don't dictate what people talk about. Uh, on the website, we do very little moderating. There are times when um, when we have to moderate, as you might imagine, uh, but it, it's rare. But otherwise, we let people talk. And some of the when a person leaves a church, most people need to do some venting, unfortunately, for Mormons who might be watching. But it's just part of the process of dealing with loss. And actually, the process is very similar to uh, the, the stages it goes through when you deal with the loss of, you know, the death of a loved one. There is there is a denial stage, there is an anger stage, there is an acceptance stage, and and then the fi- you know you finally reach a point where you you know accept it and or, and have dealt with it and can move on. So on a website like ours, where people are signing up every day, there's always people that are in that anger stage and. Uh, most of them eventually move through that. So that's why that anger exists there, and, and you need to understand that it's unavoidable. And if we tried to squelch that, it would be preventing a person from moving through and and uh, getting past that. I hope that answers your question, Tom. Yeah, I think I think for the most part it does. One more question, and I'll let you, the other guys throw in some questions, but. Uh... What about uh, to this criticism that I've heard that your website in particular gets uh, is that your website or the the congregation that goes to your website is mostly mostly secular or atheist that it's not a very welcoming community for those that uh, you know join a Christian church or you know maybe a Jewish faith or something like that so if that it's primarily um, agnostic or atheist. What do you, what do you, what's your response to that? Yeah, I, and I've wondered from you know, at times why why it's evolved into that, and I think the answer is that we try to promote. We have a set of posting rules, and the posting rules basically say you are not allowed 
to push an agenda. You're here to, to express your ideas and allow other people to, people to express their ideas. And we do this in an atmosphere that's mutually supportive. Uh, we get people who are, are pretty um, uh, committed to their Christian religion, uh, Mormons who have left and become Christians. And they always have this need to push Christianity on, on us poor atheists. Well, that's not the culture. This is an open culture where nobody's pushing their ideas on anybody else. We're here to talk. And so apparently in that kind of an open culture, that people who have a need to push their religion or whatever else they want to push uh, is not very welcome because it doesn't work with this open culture. Um, this open, mutually respected, respect, yeah, mutually respective culture that we're trying to maintain. Uh, does that answer your question, Tom? I think so. I mean, how about, how about this example? Um, has Sandra Tanner ever associated in your community or with you directly? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, I've talked with her. I think I met her at a conference once. Maybe it was a Sunstone Symposium. Maybe it was an ex-Mormon conference. Oh, she was a speaker at ex-Mormon conference a few years ago, and I talked with her a little bit. Other than that, I've never never had any association with her. Um, speaking as the the resident godless heathen here, um, why do you suppose so many Mormons end up becoming agnostic atheists? That's a very good question. And I, for me personally, and I think it applies to most in the in the same who become agnostic or atheist. I, I, I consider myself a spiritual atheist, uh, if you want to get into what I think, you know, what that means. But uh, uh, I left the LDS church because I could not rationally make, make it make sense anymore. There were just too many problems that I was no longer willing to brush under the carpet or set aside and assume everything would be okay because I didn't want to be broadsided again with something else. I had to know from a rational perspective uh, if if it made sense. I needed it to make sense to me. Well, I, 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 when I left, I became a, I was a Christian. I mean, I maintained my Christian beliefs, put it that way, and, and started going to a, um, a Baptist church with my wife. And um, after about 18 months, I a fairly intensive Bible study with their, with a, a, a group that was part of that church, I started to see issues with Christianity. And I was not willing to, they tried to encourage me to, you know, just have faith, don't worry about it, it'll be worked out later. It was the same kind of response as I was getting for why I should stay in the church, even though it didn't make sense to me. So for the same reasons I left Mormonism, I had to leave Christianity. It's not because it's not because I just threw it all away when I left Mormonism, including including Christianity. It's because neither one of them would hold up to an honest scrutiny from my point of view. Isn't that interesting though? That that emotional pain that Mormonism causes can I don't know sort of prompt people to stay away from religion generally. Well, you know, if if a religion if any rational religion comes along, uh, I'm, I was going to say I would join it, but I, I, I actually wouldn't because I have no need for a religion anymore. I'm very comfortable with uh, 
with my um, current perspective on life in the world and afterlife and whatever. I, uh, in fact, I'm just more at peace than I've ever been in my life uh, with, without God. And I, I find that people who, most people who are, who are atheists eventually come to that same state of mind and, and uh, state of peace uh, for whatever reason. I don't know why. I didn't. I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting to, you know, live a, a lonely life as an atheist who uh, was forced into it because I have this stupid need that things need to make sense to me. But uh, just out of the blue, I I, I came I kind of came full circle and back to back to and I guess beyond where I was to a place that where I just feel totally at peace with life and. Uh, and death and the afterlife, accept um, it. I, I think I think life is a wonderful thing. Wonder, wonderful thing. Miracle. Hey Jeff, Jeff, one more question. Have you have you seen anybody that's joined your community, um, and realized that if this wasn't what they thought it was, and rejoined the LDS Church? Um. Let's see. I can only think of one person. But he was a little, he was a little um, unstable. He he had decided he was going to rejoin the LDS Church, and uh, and in a few years be uh, elevated to the level of apostle, and <laughs> with the final goal of becoming the prophet. And then when he was a prophet, he was going to announce that the church wasn't true. That's the only person I can think of who's ever rejoined. <laughs> and of course. Uh, I mean, I haven't heard from him for a long time. He's just a little, little kooky. <laughs> I have one I, I, You know, I wouldn't be, I just want to follow up with Tom Allman. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some, but I'm, I'm not aware of any, Tom. Okay. I guess if they go back, they generally quietly go back. Okay. Um. Earlier you said that you respect those who will stay in the church for family reasons or whatever. Um, for the basically complete non-believer who whose family is still completely TBM, and they feel trapped and sort of uh, imprisoned by the choice between you know their belief system and their loved ones, you have um, what kind of advice do you think you could give them on how to proceed with that? My advice would be um, uh, don't challenge them. Don't challenge your LDS family, your LDS spouse. Uh, just um, it's tough. It's really tough. But just leave it alone. And if you if you would like your family members to come around, that's the best way for that to happen. But I wouldn't do that with that in mind. If you challenge them. They they become defensive and pull back and uh, it makes things worse. That, does that answer your question, or, or at least partially? I mean, is there in your experience do uh, people people in this situation do they find a way to express their post Mormon hood in the relationship, or in your experience does the relationship tend to to degrade? Yeah, I mean, is, is there hope? Is there hope for somebody who is, you know, sort of trapped in there? Can they can they 
I don't know, spread their wings a little bit without upsetting everything? Every situation is different, and it depends on it depends on the spouse or, or the other family members. Uh, I mentioned earlier that the gentleman asked by this evening, uh, his wife is very active, and most of his family is very active. All of his family is, except for his son that I mentioned, who is, is beginning to question. It's been very tough for him, and I've known him for, uh, I think, since 2005, and known his situation. I first met him when I had lunch with him, uh, just he and I, and... Uh, uh, what I'm getting at is he has had to be very, very careful and just not push at all because his wife is so is so um, uh, uh, she gets so fearful of of what he's done to their family now. And um, but something recently has happened. I, I shouldn't get into it. I guess it, it, things are starting to open up in his family after three, four years now. There's hope. Uh, I wouldn't count on it. Um, I would say a good percentage, maybe half of couples probably probably eventually end up in divorce. I I, I divorced uh, partially due to my lack of belief in Mormonism and belief in Christianity. My my ex-wife's a, a real die-hard Baptist now. She and I were, I mentioned I started going to a Baptist church. She and I did. In fact, I, I I started going to hopefully get her to let go of Mormonism. And she liked the Baptist church so much better that she she shipped immediately, and and then to this day is a very very uh, active Baptist and uh, bl- bless her heart it, it works for her so perfect there is there is hope there is hope uh, every situation is different though I put it that way okay well let me can okay. I say one thing sure go ahead Tom I just wanted to tell Jeff I, that I appreciate what you're doing, that I do think that what what you offer for people is is a valuable thing. You know, that transition of where they go after they leave Mormonism, whether it's somewhere else or whether they, you know, end up like Nile and become godless or whatever. <laughs> but I, I, for, for me personally, I, I think that uh, what the time and the energy and the money that you put in is, is uh, has been a nice thing. So I I personally think that what you're doing is a good thing. Thank you very much, Tom. I very much appreciate that. Well, Jeff, thanks uh, for participating with this. It's been a a really fun talk. Um, For those who would like to uh, see Jeff's uh, website, visit the organization, uh, head over to postmormon.org. You can also see, um, I think, Jeff, you have your exit story up there. People want to read it in more detail. Yeah, we have we have a lot of extra stories now. Um, there's a link at the top of the page, extra stories. Uh, mine's one of them there, yes. And like we mentioned, um, in addition to being a very popular message board online that everybody can read, there are also uh, regional groups that meet from time to time, and you can see their schedule and find the, the closest post-Mormon group to you there on the site. Yes, that's true. Thank you for mentioning that. Uh, No problem. All right. um, Remember, if you want to follow up on this discussion or any of our other podcasts, you can check us out at mormonexpression.com. You can also call and leave a message at 801-906-6722 or leave uh, an email at mail at mormonexpression.com. 